are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. of light to the purveyors of pictures to all of you listening and watching from around the world this is the f11 photography podcast i am your host kevin deal along with your other host the illustrious brandon gory no one's ever called me illustrious before, but I'm into it. Welcome back to the F11 Photography Podcast. Yes, welcome back. Uh, we took a couple weeks off. Uh, this time it wasn't because Brandon was in the Big Apple in New York City. It's because I got busy. Uh, I had a lot going on, a lot of paid work, uh, which I'll never complain about paid work. And then uh, in addition to that, I had to meet some deadlines from a YouTube channel I had a lot of manufacturers who gave me a bunch of free stuff, and then they kind of want videos, and so I had to catch up on those. I'm still working on my seven artisan seven artisans video for my 14 millimeter T 2.9 lens, which uh, hopefully by the time this releases, I'll be done with that. Uh, but yeah, super busy. Went to Dallas last week. Uh, had to shoot some video stuff for a client, uh, and so yeah, what what you been up to the last couple of weeks? Well, I've uh, I've been doing a lot of personal stuff. Uh, a lot of personal work and also just working a lot in general with the with the regular job at YouTube. Uh, we've been pushing a lot. I'm actually in the podcast for Caleb Hammer as well as uh, in in a vlog. So <laughs> I'm now in two podcasts. Did you go? Did you go to like Big Bend or something last week? Where'd you go? I, I thought I saw oh you my traveling. Gosh, the Big Bend. So all right, you, you yes, there's a Big Bend story. I love that there is. Are they playing Santana outside of the room? There's a party going on outside of our studio, so if you hear anything bleed over into our mics, it's okay. Cheers. All right, go ahead. So, um, my youngest brother, Alex, he's 18 years old. He just flew in, uh, and he's staying with me and my other brother for a while. Now, does he live with your parents in North Carolina? Yep. Okay. So, he's here now, and what we wanted to do is, like, first order business as soon as he flew in is like, okay, we want to go to Big Bend and have a nice camping trip and kind of just, you know, like have some fun as, you know, the three bro- the three brothers, the three boys. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> we're a week out and Oliver is sick. Oliver gets sick and we're like, okay, we don't know if this is going to go forward. Did he get the Rona or did he get something else? I don't even know. Because if Rona. you got the Rona, you need to get the fuck out of here. Well, here's the thing. Is like we, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like we stopped testing a year ago, you know, yeah. like we, we honestly don't care. And that's, you know, take that as you want to, but. I just, uh, it's the flu. It's, it's just, we're sick. So, um, it then, okay. Fast forward. We're two days out from leaving, um, leaving to big bend. My youngest brother starts feeling a little bit sick. Okay. Now we leave on a Friday. I get home from work and this is two days afterwards, two days later. So I get home from work and we're like all ready to go. We're like packed. And Alex, my youngest, has a 102.3 fever. He's on the couch looking like a POW, just like just wet, just drenched. And Oliver and I are kind of just standing over him in our hiking gear, just kind of looking at him on the couch at like 6 p.m. And it's an eight-hour drive. We're meant to drive that night. And we're just like, 
Okay. So, so what do we do is we load them up on ibuprofen. We throw them in the car and we just go, Alex, your temperature is going to lower. Just sleep through the car ride. So Oliver and I drive to Big Bend. We get there. It's about 36 degrees. And then his temperature is like 104. It's like, yeah, it goes right back up. And we're setting up the tent in the pitch dark on the Rio Grande at the Cottonwood Campground. It's 36 degrees. The wind's blowing. And we're just trying to get this shit together. It's 5 a.m. by the time we get there because I get pulled over and we have to stop for gas like nine times. You got pulled over? I got pulled over doing 90 and an 80 on the I-10. Go figure. Like, Did they ticket you? They ticketed me. Yeah. They got you good. Yeah. They, yeah. The bastards. Just pay it. Be done with it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so uh, we wake up that morning at around 7.30 a.m. So we're on two hours of sleep. There you go. Alex's fever is still up. He's walking around the campsite like a zombie. We make some coffee. And then we make our way to the actual, to the hike. It's a, it's a couple hours drive away. It's a lost, uh, lost mine trail. And that's the 4.8 miles round trip. You go all the way to the peak of, of one of the Chisos. And that's the, that's the spiel. So we take Alex all the way up. We load him up on ibuprofen again. And by the, like when we get to the top, the ibuprofen wears off. He's still got a fever. So he just falls asleep at the top of, of the Chisos Mountains uh, with like 50, 60 mile an hour wind blowing through. He's just out like a light. Um, and then we drove back that night, eight hours. So. Ah, to be 18. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I went on a, I went on a, um, I went on a, a scuba diving trip with my son over the summer uh, for his scout troop. And one of the kids had like a Cuban sandwich that he had just been saving for like a day and a half, not refrigerated. Just like put it next to his bed and wrap it up and like pull it out a day and a half later and just ate it. The bodies of 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 young men are just com- really resilient, but like flexible. Man. Um. So what have I been up to? Uh, in previous episodes, I talked about the hail damage that happened to my house, and I went out and got a new car recently. Well, I went out and got another car because when you have a wife and two kids, you tend to have two vehicles. Uh, my wife and I were like, hey, we both work from home. We'll try one vehicle. And we tried one vehicle, but it's sort of like if I'm out doing a photography thing and one of the kids gets sick and she has to go drive and pick them up from school, how are you going to do that without a car? So uh, we were jokingly said when we get into our first argument, we'll go out and get a second car. But then I was like, yeah, I'll be a little proactive and just go out and get in front of it. So I woke up on Monday and... My first thought was, I'm going to go to the Hyundai dealership because I have a Hyundai Ioniq 6, and I'll just keep everything with the same company, same dealership. Life is good. Uh, We didn't want anything too crazy because it's our second car. It's going to spend the majority of the time in the driveway. But I wanted a little bit more room, so I started looking at SUVs. And I saw like a Santa Fe and a Tucson because my brother-in-law and sister-in-law have a Tucson, and they love it. And it looked cool, but I saw some used ones with some pretty low mileage. I walk into the dealership the second they open at 9 a.m., and I'm like, hey, I want one of these three cars, possibly. Can you bring all three of them out? And I'll check them out. And they're like, sure. Sat there for 30 minutes. Guy, Brandon, really nice guy, finally comes out and is like, oh, I can't find any of these three cars. I'm like, how do you lose a car, let alone three cars? But he couldn't find them. And so I was like, well, I appreciate you trying. I'll come back some other time. As soon as I walked off the lot, I was like, do I even want a Hyundai? Maybe I want something else. So I drove down the street to CarMax. And I was just like, here's my budget. Here's what I want. Possibly, what do you have? The guy didn't seem like he was really interested in selling me a car. He just seemed like he wanted to tell me what's wrong with every car I was looking at, which, hey, great, Mr. Honest. There's all different. I, I went through the 
entire galaxy of salespeople that day. Brandon, the first guy, was really nice, but uh, couldn't help me. This other guy was just like talking smack about everything I was looking at. So he didn't get a sale that day. But as I was looking at, you know, BMW 330Es and all these other cars, I was thinking about getting a plug-in hybrid and then thought better of it because the older 2018 technology, that stuff's starting to become hard to find the parts for. So I was like, yeah, maybe I won't do that. But when I was on the lot, I saw a Ford Bronco. And I was like, that's a cool looking vehicle. You did not. That's a cool looking vehicle. So I went to go check it out. And he's like, oh, it's sold. And I was like, okay, but it's got a lot of cool things that I want in it. So uh, I was like, thank you so much. You don't have what I need. So I drove off the lot. I pulled out my laptop, pulled out my hotspot. And then I just Google searched for, used Ford Bronco Austin, Texas. And there was a Volkswagen dealership north of town. I drive up to the no Volkswagen dealership and I get the... Hey, bro, how's it going, bro? Like, because, you know, you should address a 43-year-old man as bro. And, you know, very much the, what can I do to get you to drive off the lot today? Now, for those of you who don't know me, sales is how I built my career. I can, I'm, I'm not a very egotistical guy, but when it comes to negotiation and sales, I have to flip on a switch to get what I want. So uh, we got hardcore into the negotiations. Uh, I knew that they were setting a trap for me when the price I saw on my laptop was $2,000 less than the sticker price I saw on the window of the car. I knew there was a red flag going on there. Anyway, I tried to get them down to a particular price, my drive off the lot price, and they wouldn't budge. We were $450 apart. Now, here's the, here's the lesson. Do not become emotionally attached to a vehicle and always be willing to walk away. And so I said, look, man, this is your last chance. If you do not get to this price, I am crossing you off my list and I'm going to the next dealership because I drove by 50 Ford Bronco Sports on my way here. There's a lot of them out there if you haven't been on the road lately. So uh, the, I, I said, get, I give your financing manager one more chance. And he goes in there and he's just like, well, he can't do it. And I said, thank you for your time. And I drove off the lot without the car. And I went home and I whipped out my laptop. I tried the search one more time. Now that first vehicle, that first Bronco had 44,000 miles on it. It was a 2021. I found another 2021 with only 12,000 miles on it. 33,000, I'm sorry, 32,000 miles less. And it was the exact same price. And it was at a Mercedes-Benz dealership. So you know they're wanting to get that off their lot. So I'm like, okay. So I call the Mercedes-Benz dealership. They're about 35, 45 minutes away. And I'm like, hey, do you guys have this Ford Bronco Sport in stock? Like, yes, yes, Mr. Deal, we do because it's a Mercedes-Benz dealership. It's not bro, it's, it's Mr. Deal. Yeah. And so I'm like, awesome. So I said, please hold it for me. Uh, I'll be down there in 35, 45 minutes. I get down there and they greet me and the guy's like, let me go get it for you real quick. Well. There's a Bronco and there's the Bronco Sport. The Bronco Sport's oh like $25,000, $30,000. The Bronco can go anywhere from fifty dollars to $100,000. And I'm on a Mercedes-Benz dealership. So which car do you think he erroneously drove up? He drove up the, the $65,000 Bronco. And I was like, hey, that's a really cool car, but that's not the one I drove here for. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Deal. My mistake. And then he went out and got the cheapest Bronco out. Yeah. Yeah, but... I, thank you. Yes, thank, thank you. you. This is this is going to be my son someday. Uh, so anyway, he he brought it out, and I was just like, "Look, man, I'm um, I'm 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 in. I've been in sales my whole life. Uh, you know, I, I let's just cut the chase. 
if you can get the price here, I will just drive it off the lot right now and just get it off your lot. And he's just like, cool. <laughs> like that was the negotiation. Because uh, just uh, to, to back up, while he was getting the $65,000 Bronco, I was in their showroom floor and they had a black and tan two-tone Mercedes-Benz SUV with a sticker price of $202,000. So needless to say, this is definitely their cheapest. Like the cheapest car in that entire room was $65,000. Everything else, most, most every car in there was over $100,000. The interior looked like, I don't know, a, a, a rap video or something. Like the interior was just insane. So anyway, I said, just get it down to this price. And the price that I had to get down to was the price that I walked at the other dealership. And the whole time I'm in the in the in there like paying for everything, the other guy's blowing up my phone and texting me and stuff because because he you know he lost the sale. So as soon as he's done, and by the way, if you're a car dealership, you only walk away with two impressions of me. One, I gave you a commission check, or two, I'm the biggest asshole you've ever met in your life because I'm very ruthless in negotiation. So anyway, Mercedes Benz guy got the sale, and I said, hey man, can you can you give me that contract real quick? And I took a picture of the out-the-door price. I took a picture of the year. I took a picture of the mileage. I texted it to the guy at the other dealership. He just kept bugging me and bugging me and bugging me. I was like, at least you tried, but your financing manager and his hard head did me a favor because it got me the exact same vehicle for 30,000 miles less, same exact price. Send. That's a learning experience for not only the guy at the dealership, Brandon, but uh, this Brandon as well. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. So don't be emotionally invested in a car, especially if you can find it anywhere. Um, if you already have a car, you already have leverage. Like I have a car that runs. I, yes. I have leverage. So I did that, and I thought that was fun. And to that Volkswagen dealership up north, bing. That's I how I. That's how I got my Honda. Yeah. I, I got a pre-approved loan for and back when interest rates were low for one point nine five percent on like eighteen grand, mm. and that was from UFCU a bank here in Texas. And I walked into the dealership and I said, like, Hey, I, I like this Honda. It's the last like EXT within a hundred square miles in Austin. And, and I was like, can you hold it for me? Like similar thing. I walk in and I was just like, okay, like I want to grab this car. I've got a pre-approved loan for it at 1.95. Like that's what I'm going to do. Just let me know, like reserve the car. Let me test drive it. And I'll go get the loan from my bank right now. Yeah. And they're like, why don't you just buy it right now from us? And I was just like, can you beat 1.95? And they tried, and they did 2.12. So I budged a little bit, but at the end of the day, they probably would have tried to push it to like three or four. Yeah, I uh, I always have my pre-approval for my bank, like on my phone with send, and all I have to do is to punch in the guy's email address, which is what I did at the Benz dealership, and it was like super smooth. They couldn't even get close to the interest rate I got. So anyway. That's important to know. If you're ever going shopping for a car... Get a pre-approved loan from a bank and not well, the dealership. It's interesting. The place not. that I walked had a better rate than what my bank had, but they wouldn't get. They were four hundred and fifty dollars off on the car price. The uh, the other place got it down there, and my bank was better. So it, oh, that's just stupid. Yeah. Losing that money on four hundred fifty bucks. Hey, they. You know, a lot of car dealerships. So first and foremost, a lot of young car dealer guys, uh, salesmen, are young bucks, and they don't have a lot of experience negotiating. They're just fresh off the streets, and so. They make mistakes. Me personally, I just like look at him in the eye and go, oh, well, that was the other part. Is he, he tried, <laughs> he kept showing me like the sticker price. And I'm like, look, man, I, I can go walk to the, my curb and turn around and look at that gigantic structure. And that's what sales got me. So you're not, you're not going to teach me anything that I don't already know. And that's when I turn into an egotistical prick, but, and I'm unapologetic about it. But uh, I, I, I said, look at me. 
it's a comfortable temperature in here and you can go walk to your finance manager every single time you want to. I can just whip out my phone and start playing any game I want. I, I can come back tomorrow, but I won't because I'm going to go to somewhere somewhere else. Like I just I was I was just like, boom, 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 boom. Do this or I'm walking. And then he didn't do it. And I walked and I, I got a better deal. So whatever. Uh, okay. Today's episode. <laughs> we are getting to a topic yeah. here. It, it is coming. Yes. Hey, you gotta you gotta love us before you can love the pot. I'm actually really invested in this conversation <laughs> right now. I'm like, wait a so, okay. So today's episode is about color grading, something near and dear to Brandon's heart. But before we get into color grading, let's talk about our sponsor, yep. who is massively into color grading and assists with our color grading, and that is Gamut. Today's episode is sponsored by Gamut. Are you looking for world-class cinematic video LUTs? Check out Gamut. Whether you're shooting on Sony, Canon, Panasonic, Nikon, DJI, or Blackmagic, their conversion LUTs bring all your footage to the same starting place. That's right, if you're shooting a wedding and one of your cameras is Canon and the other is Nikon, the footage will all end up looking the same. And don't worry, Fuji users, help is on the way. I've actually been in contact with Gamut and they're telling me that they are working on LUTs for Fuji. They also make creative LUTs that are catered toward weddings, commercials, editorials, and YouTube projects. Gamut now also offers movie barcode generators. Wanna create your own movie barcode? Well, now you can by using their entirely free movie code barcode generator. Use that generator to build out palettes and barcodes for your films. Go to gamut.io to check out their insanely generous holiday offerings, and I'll leave a link in the description of this pod. Hi, this is Ethan Tran, and you're listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. We are back, and today's episode is about color grading. Being that you are watching this and you're probably a videographer or a photographer, color should be important to you. Uh, color, unless of course you shoot black and white. <laughs> but hey. but uh, for all of you out there who do color, uh, color is kind of like your fingerprint, you know, especially if you're heavy into editing. What kind of fingerprint do you want to leave? What's your style? And, and color grading is really uh, how a lot of us define our styles. Now, obviously there's more than just that. Obviously the type of photography you do is important, but that visual aesthetic that you establish and whatever your, your style, your brand, whatever it is, um, that's important. And not just for your own individual stuff, but for clients. When I am working on commercial projects, I want to establish a visual aesthetic for a client. And a lot of that is based in color grading. And so color grading is not something to overlook. It's not something to be intimidated by. And in today's episode, Brandon is going to simplify uh, color grading for you. So as I drink this Woodford Reserve, take it away, Brandon. I'm going to have a sip of Woodford uh, Reserve as well myself. It's been, a, it's been a long day. I'm going to jump into this color thing. Don't you worry. It's going to happen. I'm just going to enjoy this. Mmm. 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 Is it good? Oh, it's good. All right, cool. All right, All right color grade time. So we're going to jump right in. Um, as I've gone through photography, I have learned multiple methods for color grading. I've never stuck to one. And to this day, I don't actually stick to one either. It kind of depends on what the photo is. It depends on how I want to approach um, 
my editing in general, whether that's Photoshop, Lightroom, or even uh, Capture One. Now I do most of my work on Capture One, so that's a great place um, that I start. However, I do send out of Capture One to Photoshop very often. So whether or not I, I stick to Capture One's color grading, do it in Photoshop, or even move it over to Lightroom for a very specific grade, um, that varies greatly. But today we are going to start with Photoshop's color grading because that's the one, I think Photoshop's what a lot of people have. I'm not gonna touch Lightroom. I know a lot of people do have Lightroom, um, but I don't think anyone learns anything from Lightroom because I think their color grading sucks. And I think their, their weighted sliders are way too intense. You can't actually get any precision out of the color you're looking for. So, moving over to the Brandon screen. Here we are. We've got a model I shot in downtown Brooklyn overlooking the city. Now- That's Tanya? That's Tanya. Yeah, she used to live up in Dallas. Yeah, she did. Actually, yeah, I shot her a lot while I was in New York. But anyways, I digress. So uh, nothing about this photo is edited. I haven't shot or I haven't edited any of the light. I haven't cleaned up her hair. I haven't really cleaned up anything. So this is raw, out of camera, out of my Nikon. So first and foremost, I don't want to teach you guys how to like edit a photo. That's not what we're here for. We're here to do color. But in order for me to do the grade I want to do, I need to make sure there is a decent amount of contrast uh, so that we, uh, so that there can actually like be a darks and a lights area to grade itself. So there's some separation there. So this is called, this is the color balance. Uh, this is the color balance grade. This is how you grade a photo using color balance. Now, what you're gonna do is I'm gonna move my mic or my uh, mouse here so that you can see it. We're gonna start with uh, two color balances, right? I'm gonna call this one shadows and I'm gonna call this one highlights slash mids. So first and foremost, we're gonna start with the shadows. Um, before we even touch, um, oh, whoops. There we go, ignore me. Move that back to curves. Okay, so we're starting on the shadows here. And what we're gonna do first and foremost is we're going to grab our image right here and we're gonna apply the image. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna bring it down to layer one and then we're gonna leave it on multiply. And then down here, you can actually see uh, the outline of the mask right there. Um, now, when you hit invert, what it's gonna do is your mask is gonna be selecting uh, the shadows more than anything. Uh, so basically you're, you're, you're using the contrast of the image to put a mask on top and then you're gonna invert it so that the least mask, masked out areas are the shadows itself. So basically what I'm doing here is this color balance layer is going to affect the shadows more than anything. That's why we have it labeled shadows. So you're making a shadows layer. Essentially, I get, I, sometimes I get lost in the theory, but here we go. So now that we're on the shadows layer with the color balance, we're gonna move over to the shadows. And this is where you kind of have to decide, okay, where, what direction do I want this image to go? Do I want it to go the cool direction in the shadows? I'm feeling cool. You feeling the cool? I, I personally would love to hit, hit those shadows hard blue, but yeah, that's just me. See, it's, it's easy, to, easy to go overboard to where you can't redeem it because you can see this blue pushes it so much into the black that you kind of have to be careful. Um, something that I've noticed is this blue and yellow is going to have a lot more uh, say over your colors than anything else. So um, you're gonna need to move this a lot less than this guy up here. See, you can move this guy a lot more and it doesn't affect your image as much. How about your cyan red? Yeah. So your cyan red is not impacting it as much as when you move your yellow blue. Yeah, I don't know why that is. That's kind of just the way the algorithm falls. 
It could um, also be how the image was captured too, like what information was in the image. It and, it totally yeah, like it totally could be. Uh, just no matter what the image is, it seems that blue always uh, seems to bring the shadows into the darkness a lot quicker. So there we are with our shadows. I think we're gonna leave it there because if I bring the cyan over more, it kind of like dilutes the rest of the image and we're starting to move out of the shadows. Um, and then if I bring it more red, you know, it kind of like, it balances that green out a little bit too much. So I like it here, it's nice and cool. Um, and now we're gonna visit the highlights and the mids. Um, so just like we did that uh, image application to the shadows, we're gonna do the same thing. We're gonna uninvert it and now we're gonna be in the mids and highlights. Um, so I like to start with the highlights. Here we're gonna do the mids as well, that's just personal preference, but we're still getting that split tone. So that's a bit intense. Removing the yellow all the way over, that's a bit much. We are keeping a cool grade, so maybe I'll just bring this into the blue by, by four points. Let me see if I, I'm just gonna do red, I'm gonna play devil's advocate just to see what it looks like. That's all right, but maybe I just go full, blue and then maybe I bring the green over to magenta just a little bit to make sure we're not kind of creating an entire uh, cast in, in the highlights itself. So if we turn this off and we turn it back on we can tell that it added a nice blue shade to the highlights without overpowering it. Um, and then now you can move into the midtones and this is going to affect more of that bell curve area. Um, if you can see my mouse right here you can kind of see we're going to be affecting this zone a little bit more. Now there's a, not a whole lot of data here because again, we did contrast it, but um, we're still gonna play around with it to just make sure we're hitting every line. So your histogram through. looks like a smiley face right now. It does, no, it actually does, it's terrible. It's like it's like uh, <clears throat> Metallica's guitar tone when you're using an equalizer. It's like all lows, <laughs> all highs, no mids. Yeah, well, what's really funny here is like because of that, we're, we're actually hitting pretty hard, we're hitting the skin tones pretty hard in the mid zone. So this is a great opportunity to where if you wanted to balance the skin tones but maintain your grade in the highlights and the shadows, you could actually do that and, and keep a relatively realistic looking photo because at the end of the day when you're taking photos of people, uh, the realism of the skin tones will inform the quality of your color grade. So if we look at this and we, we bunch these two layers together, that's without the grade, that's with the grade, it's subtle but it's lovely. You, you can tell we've kind of moved the lips a little bit cooler. Obviously the dress has gone from, you know, a kind of like warmer green, still dark to now just like a, a cooler turquoise green. We've maintained a nice green in uh, the plant here. That hasn't gone too overboard. And of course our blacks aren't super uh, green as well. They still look uh, true to black. Um, so that's the color balance grade. It's very basic, it's very rudimentary. Uh, the advantage here, is it gives you a lot of control. Um, unlike, unlike Lightroom and Capture One, it's, it's not like an automatic thing. You really get to define where you're hitting uh, with your color grade and your split toning. Very nice. Yeah. I, I color grade in Capture One. So. I, uh, I actually don't, I don't color grade in Photoshop at all. Usually Kevin has so much input after I say something. He's just he's got like 15 ideas ready and he's already connected the dots. And by this time Kevin looks over to me and goes, That's cool. I color grade and capture one. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I do, I do. Like I just find that uh the, the color wheels that are in capture one and the control that I get over the sliders and all that are perfectly fine. So it's yeah, like uh Hera, like like just 
I'll, I'll, I'll participate. Hold on, let me open up. Yeah, I'm one. sorry. That just that just ruined me. <laughs> I don't even I don't even know what my last session is in here. I deleted a bunch of stuff. So, uh, don't send. I'm, I'm I'll, I'll I'll show you. Like, uh, I don't even know if I have a good session in here. Uh, let's see. Uh, somebody's digitals, maybe. What happens when we drink Woodford Reserve? Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. I got I got a model's digitals in here. There we go. Uh, which, uh, if we want to keep the skin tone right, uh, but digitals are good. Hold on, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll find it. I'll put myself on the screen. See, uh, there we go. <clears throat> cool. There's a, there's a, there's a good one. Sure. Why is it not opening? Oh, you know what? Got this is selected. Yeah, that's right. Well, this isn't even that great of a. Uh, well, this is the big problem with this one is it's a JPEG. So. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. So. Uh, yeah, this is a JPEG, so I don't have as much latitude. But uh, in Capture One, mm -hmm. I tend to just go into my color balances, mm -hmm. and then you can go into your shadows and your midtones and your highlights, and you can move things around as much as you want. So if I want the shadows to be more blue, I can do that. Uh, that's obviously a very crazy example of what you can do with the color. But uh, that's how I tend to do things. And... My process, the reason why I tend to do the majority of my color grading in Capture One is it's at a raw file at that point. And so I've got all that raw data, whereas, you know, once you send something over into uh, Photoshop, it's rasterized. Yeah. And I want I want as much data as possible. So my round trip, and this is the beautiful thing about color grading, is uh, there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's however your workflow works. So for me, I love working as much in my raw file as possible. So what I do is I go in and I'll, you know, figure out my levels, I'll figure out my curves, whatever. And as I do that, uh, I'm preserving as much info as possible. Now, this is technically a JPEG, so this isn't a great example. Yeah. But you'll, you'll notice, you'll, sorry to interject, you'll notice that the adjustments on Capture One are a lot more fine-tuned. Like the quality and, and the gradients uh, that you use to adjust color in Capture One are so much more finely tuned than Photoshop and Lightroom. It's really great. Yeah, and uh, there's also mm. modules inside of Capture One where you can uh, have very specific skin tone adjustments. Uh, right here, so you go to skin tone, and you can find uh, a piece of the skin that you like really like, and you can just, whatever, let's just say, oh, I want that healthy skin. Well, you can go a little bit above and below it, so you expand this out a little bit, and then you can uh, then well, you would of course first draw a mask, but you draw a mask on the skin, and then you could go in and you could make the skin tones look closer to each other. So if there's like uh, variances on the skin, you could have that uh, further or I guess more closely blends together. And so Capture One gives me that, and that's one of the reasons why I love Capture One is I feel like. In its raw format, I have so many tools at my disposal. So all I use P Photoshop for personally is I will send my, I would say my 95% done color grade into Photoshop. And then what I do is I start retouching in Photoshop and taking out backdrops and all that kind of stuff that Photoshop's good at. And then when I'm done, I go back into my curves and I just kind of look and make some final adjustments. I round trip it back in to capture one and then I like kind of look at that edited image next to my other edited images and then I make a very final adjustment to where they all look like there's continuity between all the levels because if I go into Photoshop and I get a little too in the weeds and I bring it back into capture one 
maybe my white balance has shifted a little bit because of something that I did. I'll go back and I'll readjust it to where my white balance seems consistent from shot to shot to shot. And that's how I color grade. So back to you. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it's it's interesting. Like the, the best thing about Capture One that I found is that if you have a developed photographic eye, if you can look at skin tone and you and you don't get lost in the sauce when you're color grading and you can still kind of like have a general idea of what's true skin tone, uh, Capture One's your best friend. But because there's so much freedom, because there's so much you can do in Capture One when altering color and skin tone, uh, if you have an undeveloped eye and you, you know your skin's going to end up looking too red or too yellow, and then you're just going to throw your whole grade off, and it's going to become very frustrating because it's very hands-on and it's very just it's very sandbox. There's not a lot of limitations with Capture One. The biggest single thing that I've done to help my color grading <laughs> is for my personal work, I've switched from Canon to Fuji because <laughs> 90% of my work is done at the camera now. Um, yeah. The 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 film simulations like yeah, classic Chrome. Uh, even their standard, like Provia standard, like those digitals that I just showed you of Tatum, I'm just shooting those Provia standard. Uh, I put them straight to JPEG because that's what you're supposed to do with digitals. They're not supposed to be like super edited or whatnot. But I just find that skin tones are great. It, like unless I'm going for something super artsy, super editorial, and even then Fuji has that built in. But when I shoot on my Canon, it's a lot more what Brandon's showing you. I got to go in and I got to do all this crazy. So then I still will, like when I'm doing kind of editorial type stuff, I will go in and I'll start tweaking the the shadows and making them more blue or more green, depending on what I'm trying to get across. I'm shooting under fluorescent lighting like this shot you're about to show us. Yeah. Done. Boom. So that last shot I showed you in Photoshop was where you want to be a little bit more subtle with your color grade. And that's totally fine because it's it's a more it's a more agency-friendly photo. This, on the other hand, is... Um, well, this is a great example of shooting at the white balance you want the image to already be at. So I decided to uh, shoot at a white balance that made my photo more green than anything, and it kept the balance for the fluorescent lights. So let's start with the shadows. Like Kevin was pointing out, you've got your little shadow nodule here, and it's fantastic. It's delicate because it preserves the raw settings, and this is a raw file. You can see down here, it is the NEF. Um, it gives you a lot of fine tuning with your shadows. So I've already edited this photo, but I'm gonna re-edit it and do a completely new grade and just kind of see what we think. Um, immediately, like right off the bat, those red, those warm tones in the shadows are just gorgeous. Um, although it does kind of filter out her skin. So it does like leave one tempted, like, okay, maybe we do wanna venture into that teal and orange territory. Not entirely sure, but we're gonna try. We're gonna try it out. I think I'm gonna go into this blue territory here. <clears throat> and I'm just gonna check. And you can see I've moved it so blue that the the black parts of her hair um, and everything have actually started to move blue. That's kind of when you know you've overdone it, but at the same time, we're here to make a look, not to be perfect color graders. So now we're gonna move into the midtones. Delightful. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're moving in the midtones, and like I just said, we're going for that teal and orange look. So naturally, you want to move to this orange and go, oh my gosh, that's way too much. Um, but teal and orange can be a lot of things. It can almost be like teal and yellow. You know, we don't really want to move into the red, but like right here is kind of like where you want to keep it, especially when you can see how much the skin tones are reacting. So like we can move this little guy up and down. I think I want to move it right there. And then we're gonna change the highlights and we're gonna see what feels good here. 
And I know that's a really silly thing to say, but like that's the beauty of color. No, green. it's subjective. Like it, unless <clears throat> unless you're unless you're trying to match footage like in post production with like video or something. If this is your personal book, definitely do it on feel. Yeah, I, I, that's what I do. I I almost do it all my my entire book is on feel. I don't give a crap. I love that. Yeah. I, 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 I'm 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 honestly I'm playing around with this. Like something I've been getting into recently is making the highlights on Capture One because they isolate highlights so well, making them like a bright teal, and then going to the midtone and kind of make the midtone up just a little bit pinkish, like a bit of a salmon. That's been interesting recently, but I think it's a bit overboard on this photo because it's already just so informed that way. Fluorescent lights do a heck of a job of yeah, twisting things. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's gonna be a crazy starting point for sure. Yeah. So anyways, we're kind of we're kind of getting to the end here. That looks great. And of course, like if I ever want to make adjustments, there's always the curves layer here and the you know, you can play around with the shadows. Now, uh, you can tell right here these aren't as fine an adjustment, which is why I rarely ever use the curves. These guys are a lot more fine. They're a lot more gentle on your raw file. Your color balance. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, that's and you, you that's, have similar stuff like this in Lightroom, but it's not as powerful in my opinion. I don't, you know, Capture One was Capture One was made for $50,000 phase one cameras, and they had to have a program that could handle all the color information. And so your Nikon Z8 or Z6 or whatever you shoot on is going to do really well in there. So anyway, go on. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just adjusting here. You can even adjust the lights right here. So I'm on my highlights, and I'm adjusting the strength of the highlights. And it's just like, it's like uh, how do we do before and after? So here's the before. And this, again, look at Capture One. This is badass. That's the before. That's the after. And it's like, it, it's just the after pops more for me. Yeah, the, the after is a. I mean, so so when I look at the before, it's like okay, there's somebody standing in that nasty green fluorescent look, but it looks like you did something to the picture on the second one. And yeah, uh, you know, like personally, Plus, and this 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 comes the, down to a philosophical thing. Me personally, um, when I'm shooting portraiture. I don't want it to necessarily look like how my eyes saw it unless I'm like being hired to shoot a family or something, you know, like you want accuracy there. But if you're doing editorial stuff and you're doing artsy stuff, that, the, the colors are made to be messed with, man. Yeah. That's that's just my personal philosophy on it is go mess with the colors. That's why I shoot Fuji for my personal work because I do a lot of editorial type stuff. Whereas for my commercial work, I shoot Canon because those are those true to life commercial type colors and yeah. if that's what you want to do great and if you're a pixel popper a pixel peeper one thing i do want to say is lightroom and photoshop you will start seeing artifacting in the details especially where it starts getting crunchy here look at how much we've adjusted in the highlights right here and look how little artifacting or crunchiness there is here it's like it's almost not even touched oh it. with fuji so with fuji they have this thing called worms that, yeah. that they that I, i've never actually experienced it because I switched to Fuji after I switched to Capture One, but apparently, like certain film profiles, or whatever, you just start seeing like these weird artifacts on your screen that impact the way you edit. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I personally don't use Lightroom, except for when I'm uh, scanning film, because because <clears throat> there's a proprietary plugin for for Lightroom that Abs I have to use. Absolutely, so. and I can't actually I can't wait to get to Lightroom Classic. You can't wait to get to Lightroom Classic? Yeah. Do you not have it? No, no, no. I, to, to oh, you're about to show. <laughs> yes. I was going to say. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say. Go I'm ahead. stoked on that. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You so, do you. I'm, I'm almost done with my whiskey. I need some more. All right. Fair enough. So we're moving on to Lightroom Classic. I've got about that much time, and we're out of time. I've got a little bit of time left. Now, I want to talk about uh, a, a means of color grading that is unlike anything else. I think there's one other program 
that has this technology, but basically, I'm not gonna switch over just yet. Lightroom Classic has a channel color editor. So for red, uh, blue, and green, it actually has uh, an, an editor where you can, it's called a calibration, and you actually change the value of the R, G, and B in each of the RGB channels. Mm. So the blue channel has an RGB and you can actually, you can change it in each of those channels. And so what you're actually doing is each pixel, you're changing the input value of the color of a singular pixel based on the channel, which is not something you can do in anything else. You change the matrix of those colors mixed together in the pixel, you don't change the individual values themselves. Now, that's kind of difficult to, difficult to explain with a diagram. I don't have a diagram. Well, I'll tell you what, while you're loading it up, I'll talk about my Capture One styles. So over the last couple of years, I have been working uh, in Capture One, as we just talked about. And I'm going to talk about something that I am launching uh, probably April 1st, I think is the date we're going to do. And that is my Capture One styles. So I have put together three different style packs. The first one is going to be called Metamorphic Portraits. And uh, let's check that out real quick. So I have a little style pack store that I have going on. And right here, this is Metamorphic Portraits. And so I have some different ones. I have one called Autumn Leaves, which is a really good one for outdoor editorial work. I have one called Deep Blue Day, which you can see right here. It does some really beautiful stuff. I like using it with anything with denim on it. And then I also have this one right here, which I call Instant Editorial. Uh, you just slap it on and it looks pretty awesome. I also have this other one that I have called Streets of Venice. And then I have one called Ecstasy of Gold, which is gonna be good for your uh, golden hour type shoots. Uh, everything in here is gonna be color-based, uh, with the exception I have one that's gonna be a, a toned blue, black and white, I, I call it kind of blue. I have one called Red Army, and then I have a couple variations of the uh, instant editorial. In my second pack, we focus more on black and white. And so uh, this one's called The Sound of Silver, uh, famously named after a awesome LCD sound system album. Uh, this one right here, Dex Dark, is one of my favorites. I originally used to call it a Deckard Noir, uh, but I renamed it Dex Dark because I just love that pop. I love using it on uh, creating uh, texture. So you can see the wall of this building. The texture really pops on it in monochrome. I have one called the Soft Parade, which I love to use on my softer stuff. And then I have another one called CK1, which gives you like that studio Calvin Klein-ish look from the 90s. I love using that one. I have another one that I call um, St. Lindbergh because it's just like a badass uh, nod to Peter Lindbergh. So this is without it and this is with it. And it's just like an instant black and white editorial look. And I have another one I'm coming out with too. Uh, I call it Dark Helmet, but I spell it H-E-L-M-U-T. Brandon's rolling his eyes. So Dark Helmet will be one. And uh, yeah, so, and then I have another one called Paramount, which will blow out the highlights. And then lastly, uh, for my three packs that I'm I'm putting out, uh, I have one called Rangefinder, which is gonna be my street photography. So this uh, example that you see right here, I call that Metro. Uh, here's another example of Metro. It's more muted colors, more pop. Uh, it's almost to the point where it's selective color, but not really. Uh, I have another one that I'm shooting. Uh, this one is called uh, Black and White Pop uh, Film. Uh, you can't see it on this example, but I'll show you one. Uh, in post-production, when you zoom in, the highlights are kind of blown out, but there's still grain on top of it. 
I have another one called Turquoise Hexagon Sun and then Turquoise Hexagon Sun Film. Uh, when you look at Turquoise Hexagon Sun Film, you probably think I shot that on Fuji, but this example is actually shot on Canon. And then I apply the Turquoise Hexagon Sun to it. And if you zoom in on the bouquet and everything in the background, there's lots of grain and this and that. Um, another, one, another one of my favorites, I have one called Mind the Gap. I have a nod to Brandon Gorey that I'm going to do in black and white. I'm going to call it Brutalist. <laughs> and uh, I have another one called Blood Orange. So uh, this is my style pack store. It's going to launch April 1st. And you're going to get 10 styles for $39.99. However, I am going to take $10 off that for the first month. And the way uh, you can get on the mailing list for that is you just go to kevindeal.com. You scroll all the way to the bottom and you subscribe to my mailing list. And I promise I won't send you junk because I don't like junk. I just want to capture your email. So when I release this styles pack, I can let you know that it came out. You're not going to get like a email from me every two or three days asking some stupid question and ending up in your junk mail. I don't do that kind of stuff because I hate it when people do it to me. So uh, I would appreciate it. I'll leave a link in the description on our YouTube, on our podcast platforms. You can go check it out. It'll take you to my homepage. You can subscribe to the mailing list and uh, I would appreciate your business. Thank you. Let's talk about Lightroom, a program I haven't used in half a decade. Take so it away. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are on Lightroom Classic. Now, I want to start by saying I've already made the light adjustments for the appropriate contrast on this image. Now, all that's left is to play with the coolest tool. I literally just switched and Kevin's walking away to grab more whiskey. That is amazing. Okay, we're going, we're going back. Kevin just gave me the guiltiest like, like look. All right, we're going back to screen. So Lightroom Classic has this really cool technology. I just talked about it where it changes the individual color channel values per color. As you can see, here's my mouse right here. It changes the color for the red primaries like this. It changes the colors for the green primaries like this and has some absolutely wild uh, attributes and the blue primaries like this. So um, this is how a lot of people create color grading packs is actually with the calibration tool because it's so effective. It's very easy. It creates immediately harmonious color tones and it is the best way to basically create a grade that is on opposite, that where the split tone is on opposite ends of the color wheel. What the hell do I mean by that? Well, first and foremost, we're gonna saturate the blues like that and that's a really great way to saturate your image. I can't tell you the exact science why, but it, it affects all the blues by boosting the saturation on all the blues, which is, a, is inherent in pretty much all the channels at, at every time because that's kind of the way that the photo is. Um, it doesn't, it's not the same with greens. It's the, the green's a little bit too much of a punch um, and same with the reds. But when you move the blues all the way up, it does, it does kind of just bring the image out uh, really nicely. Now down to brass tacks. What do I mean by immediate color grading? Well, when I move this hue all the way to the left, what do we have immediately? Oh. Yeah, with teal and orange. Okay, let's do the same with green. All right. Yeah, Blade Runner. Yeah, you get a yellow and blue grade. Here we've got a red and it's a teal and orange in the opposite direction, in the opposite. It's, and so, like, again, okay, purple and green, opposite, opposite sides of the color wheel, complementary. Blue and yellow. Luminar Neo has a 
Uh, Luminar Nero doesn't have, they have a module that does that, don't they? I'm actually not sure. I'm pretty um, sure, like, when we were doing our review, I saw there was, like, a harmony, there's, like, a color harmony uh, module for it, where it, it did that, the teal and oranges together. That would be interesting. When I discovered this two years ago, before Luminar Neo came out, I think the, I think it was this and one other, like, plugin that did this exact thing. So, here we're going to start grading this image. I don't exactly want a teal and orange. I kind of want a cold, dreary day in Wales with the family. Yeah, it's the UK. You can't go teal and orange in the UK. Yeah, so I'm going to bring the, the green saturations down, and it, it evenly desaturates the green. It doesn't, it doesn't kill it dead in the water like desaturating or like color selection or keying would. It kind of just mutes it in a very harmonious way that's still appealing to the eye. You don't even notice it hardly. Same with the reds. We're bringing down the reds, and it's not like killing the skin tones. It's, it's just kind of bringing it down. It's still cinematic. It's still believable. You still buy it. Now, I'm going to bring those skin tones a little bit more into the yellow. We're going to kind of go Band of Brothers, Saving Private Ryan here, I think. We're going to turn these greens down into the yellow a bit. No, maybe maybe more to the right. As you can see, when I turn to the right, this, the, the greens kind of do what we want them to do, but the skin tones go red. So now that we've got the greens where we want to, we're going to move the reds a little bit yellow. And now look at that, we've balanced it. We brought it from a split tone, like severe uh, harmonious split tone to now we're balanced again. So like you take this away and it's the image hasn't changed much, but it's still graded. It's still balanced and harmonious. The graded looks way better, like this more subtle, subtle color. That's, that's what you want in the UK. Exactly. On a, on a dreary gray day in the UK, that's exactly what you want. So instead of like selectively desaturating everything like you would over um, over here on your color, not your color grading, your color mixer, like you kind of would your HSLs and every other program, it's not the same. See, what does desaturating the red do? It makes your face weird. See, now the face is kind of like oddly desaturated in weird places. The lips look unrealistic. Same with the oranges. It, see, it takes the oranges out of the fields, the face in a weird way. It's not... It's not harmonious. It's not balanced across the board like you would when you do this. See how balanced across the board that is? It is incredibly simple. This is the simplest color grading tool I've ever used to get a desired look um, so quickly. And it's just, it's just dragging things left and right until you find something that, uh, that makes sense for you. And like, here's the thing. It's like I can drag this here. And again, we're back into teal and orange territory, just a little bit more muted. But we're still harmonious. It's like, it's absolutely wild. So I'm going to command Z that and bring it back to there. Um, now this is a landscape example. Let's like, how do we use this on a portrait where it's, where it's a lot more demanding? You know, you, you can't get away with fucking up the skin tones as much. It's, it's going to be obvious you're going to see it. So this is a much more difficult. It's a very to... red shot, man. <laughs> yeah. So the this... guy looks like he uh, is about to take fl flowers to Vladimir Putin. Yeah. That was, did you see the Tucker Carlson interview? <laughs> I, I did not because I, I, I don't watch that crap. <laughs> you don't like the, the Zinn Tucker Carlson? No, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. No, so, no, so we're going to bring out the contrast here in this image. So we've got like a nice base to work with. Uh, I'm eyeballing it and that looks good to me. The, I don't know why, but the data is not entirely showing on this histogram. It doesn't look like it's reading this image accurately. Uh, for some reason, not it's sure. It's like what. red, 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 red. <laughs> I know. I should, I should put my, my capture one red army preset on that. That would be, that would be hot. So no, it wouldn't. So here, well, okay, that's funny. I already, I actually already did this calibration. If 
funny enough. That's that's why that is. But let's see. How do I undo this? Reset. There we go. Boom. Okay, let's bring this back. Let's kind of, we're going to restart this. Give it a nice contrast. Now it's a very flat looking image. Yeah. I, I need some love. I was testing it for this episode. So I was just like, all right, how would this work? And I was like, okay, that'd be fine. I'm going to juice it up a little bit. Okay, so that's where we're starting, which already looks like a pretty like decent image. Yeah. So right off the bat, again, with our blues, we're going to get that natural, that just harmonious all across the board, just nice balanced boost. Um, I don't know if I want to go into teal and orange there. We'll probably leave it there since his skin tone is very red. Um, we're going to bring the greens down and we're going to go like more of a, more of a muted, subtle, like blood red, a very serious muted red, like, like that. And then we're going to make the skin a little bit more yellow, kind of like go an iron oxide kind of direction. Fun. And then what are we going to do to balance the yellowness of the skin? We're now going to push these greens this way. And suddenly the skin tone comes back into harmony. We're back into balance. And now we're a little bit juice. And I'm going to desaturate the reds because that green, what did it do? It brought the reds back into, into, uh, into a more robust color. So there we are. So that's like, that's one look you can go with it. It's like even across the board, it's all like one grade. The red's kind of like falling into itself and it's, it's nice. And we still have the white on the, uh, the baby's, what is it, baby's breath? Flowers, those are still white. Those are like untouched. There's no cast on there whatsoever. So, so just, just so you know, if you take that picture mm -hmm. and you send it to your iPhone, your iPhone now has a feature where it will identify the flowers on there and the metadata of the picture. Just, I just had to go on that side tangent. What? Yeah. Yeah, my <laughs> wife was showing this to me the other day. Like, she took a picture of our dog, Queso, who's a golden doodle. And it, it identified our dog as a golden doodle in the, in the metadata. And now they're doing it on flowers, too. So, anyway, you never have to ask that question again. You can just send it to your phone. You know why they do that, yeah. Yeah. AI, want, they want to figure out what people are getting and Exa pictures of. Yeah. yeah. Enhance yeah. your profile by another million points. Yes. Ah, that's sick and twisted. But anyways, I digress. You know, you know what they're going to do is they're going to figure out what kind of flowers women like. Of course, it's roses, but and then they're going to like, Apple's going to start their own dating service or something like that. And I don't think they're going to start even, marketing flowers. Do people even believe in dating services anymore? I wouldn't know because I got married 20 years ago, just about, and uh, there were no dating apps on phones. I think, I think there was eHarmony. I don't even know because oh, I, I met my wife in college, so whatever. Yeah. Continue on with your, 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 uh, What's that guy from Street Fighter, the Russian dude, Boris, or uh, <clears throat> B? I don't know. I know but who you're talking that, about. That's what he looks like. He yeah. just isn't wearing the Andre the Giant leotard. Yeah. So we went from a very like subdued red, a very professional, a very serious red, a very like don't mess around red, to now we're going to try to just make this pop and make it kind of like fantastical. You know, it's we're going to kind of almost make fun of the serious tone of the image by making the red pop. And here you can see we've changed the entire feel of the image just with calibration alone. Now, at any point, if I feel like I'm losing control and I've kind of pushed the limits of how I can balance this image, I can always go over here and just, you know, alter it myself. I can bring the exposure back down and I can even at the end of the day, like I said, if the balance is losing control, I can always just go to red and literally just take, take control in a major way over here. And it, you can tell it's a lot less refined, but it does what you need it to do. So 
Um, all in all, I think this is my favorite, mo like the funnest way to color grade an image because it makes every image harmonious and look fantastic. Um, but it is also, you have all like very little control because at the end of the day, it's functioning off of the color wheel and uh, that's, it just har harmonizes in that way. Very cool. Do you have any other uh, examples you want to show today? Or is that it? That's, that's basically it. Those are the three methods that I use to color grade depending on the situation and what I'm looking to get out of a photo shoot. I just use Fuji. Yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, don't, shoot, uh, I don't shoot JPEG out of my camera because I just well, I, don't I shoot, need that control. I, I, well, no, although the J, I only shoot JPEGs when I shoot model digitals. Okay. Only. I, I, I will only shoot JPEG when I'm shooting modeling digitals. And the reason why is the whole point of modeling digitals is you're not supposed to edit them. So I'm like forcing myself into just adjust a few things and that's it i almost always shoot shoot raw but um and capture one and fuji are like peas and carrots they love each other so so hopefully that helped uh brandon's color grading theories and all that because uh i tends to do the majority of the talking on the show and i wanted to have a show where i just was comic relief and and he kind of took the steering wheel which is great um i want you all to if you could if you're listening to this First and foremost, you probably were just like lost throughout this episode because you're like, he just moved the slider red. I'm looking at a car in front of me. But for those <laughs> of you who are listening, uh, we will we, we appreciate you. Uh, if you could uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, that would be great. Uh, we just launched this whole uh, pod on YouTube, and we are moving more in that direction. And we are going to have an upcoming episode, too. Uh, in a few weeks, I'm going to WPPI. Brandon has work-related stuff, so he cannot make it. But we're going to sit down with some major manufacturers, which is going to be great. I already have a, a couple manufacturers booked. I may be sitting down with Canon, uh, possibly Nikon, and Fuji. Uh, that's that's what we want to get. Uh, I definitely have Cheetah Stand. All of our sponsors are like, yeah, let's do it. So we're, we're good there. Um, but yes, uh, we're going to be uh, doing that episode soon. We're also going to be doing our next episode, which is going to be about lighting. Uh, if you are a listener or a viewer of this podcast, and maybe you're a quote-unquote natural light photographer, we're going to talk about... We all know what that means. We have, yes, that means that you don't know how to use flash. Uh, we're going to do an episode on why you should learn flash and uh, overcoming... Uh, misconceptions about flash and overcoming fears about flash. So we would appreciate you uh, sticking around, ringing that bell, getting those notifications. And uh, episode four, season two, has now come to an end. Under wraps. That does it for today's episode. You can catch us at f11pod.com. Of course, if you're listening on all major platforms, you already know that we're on all major platforms, but if you're a viewer and maybe you want to go drive and listen to this pod, you can catch us on Apple and Spotify and all the major podcast platforms. Uh, you can also check us out at F11Pod for our handles on all major social media platforms. And once again, please do click that subscribe button. We do appreciate your support. And until next time, Chase Light not algorithms. Thank you for listening to today's episode. 
For more information about this podcast, go to www.f11pod.com.